0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Chesbro Baptist Church. Well, we have just had an amazing week at Vacation Bible School. And today, the Sunday after our Vacation Bible School, we had our family fun day with cookout. We had a picnic. We had a big water slide and a bouncy house and just a lot of fun. We had a great day in the house of God today. The title of the message this morning is Full of Leprosy. Please enjoy. Luke chapter 5 this morning. What we're going to be doing is going to be reading two verses of Luke chapter 5. I'm going to ask you if you're physically able one last time to stand to your feet as respect and reverence to the Word of God. We're going to be reading two verses this morning. Luke chapter 5. We'll be reading verse number 12 and verse number 13. The Bible says And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, when a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and he touched him, saying, I will be thou clean, and immediately the leprosy departed from him. The title of the message this morning is full of leprosy. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we once again come to you and thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for the great week we've had at Vacation Bible School. Lord, I ask you this morning to clear our heads and clear our minds and clear our hearts, Lord, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and be with us this morning. We're going to ask the power of God to be on this service and that there's going to be nothing else going on except for what's in this room this morning. I pray that you'd be with the preaching of the Word of God and I pray that you'd be with all of us today. For Jesus it's in Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to draw your attention to this story of Jesus and this man. And uh, there's a couple of things that I want to draw to your attention this morning. One thing that I'd like to draw your attention this morning is that in verse number 12, I want you to see that Jesus met an incredibly desperate man. Jesus met an incredibly hopeless man. Jesus met an incredibly helpless man this morning. And I want you to notice that the Bible doesn't say this man was a leper. The Bible says that this man was full of leprosy. Now, uh, if you study the word of God, what you'll find is nine times in the Bible, you'll see someone had leprosy. Now, a couple of times those stories are repeated. Uh, They're repeated from a different angle, Uh, but you know, nine times in the Word of God, you'll find that somebody had leprosy. And you know, and when we think of leprosy, we can get a dramatic picture in our minds. Man, maybe we can picture uh, fingers falling off and toes falling off and a nose falling off, maybe a limb falling off. But I'm here to tell you, in extreme cases, that certainly can and would happen. Uh, but you know, in, in Bible times, leprosy referred to a great, more, great deal more diseases than just me and you would associate with it. Now we can see some pictures of people with leprosy and we see the missing limbs and the face and we see the scaling of the body. Let me tell you something, leprosy was a horrible disease. Leprosy was absolutely horrible and in the Bible days, any kind of skin disease was considered Leprosy, one of the most damaging facts about leprosy is it can cause you to, to, to be numb and you can lose the feeling in your nerve endings. This past week we took Caleb to the dentist to have two of his baby teeth removed and we're sitting outside the salon waiting on his mom to get done and while we're sitting in the salon I look back and I look at Caleb and blood is dripping down his face. And I say, Caleb, don't you know that blood's dripping down your face? And he's like, no daddy, I didn't know because he was still numb. He was still numb, he, could, he couldn't feel it. Some of, the most, uh, some of the main problem with leprosy is you get to this point where the nerve endings go and you can't feel and it's numb. And when it gets like that, you, you don't know the damage you're doing to your body. You can, be, you can be burning yourself. You can be cutting yourself. You can be damaging yourself very badly and you, just, you can't feel it. It would be one thing this morning to have a spot of leprosy. It would be one thing to have an arm of leprosy. But I'm here to tell you this morning, this man, the Bible says, was full of leprosy. And as a man full of leprosy, this guy paid a heavy, heavy price. You know, me and you might read some things in the New Testament and the Old Testament that God told the people to do, and me and you in our society, we'd call them cruel. We would call them cruel. But you understand that the people in the Old Testament, the people in the Bible days, were under a lot different circumstances than me and you are here today. You understand that God had hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of people in a tiny geographical area. And when you have that many people packed into such a small area, diseases can spread very, very quickly. That's one of the reasons why the Bible says when someone has leprosy, they are to be ostracized from the rest of society. Set apart, shunned, shut out. So when we see in this story that Jesus has met a man full of leprosy, we see that Jesus has met a man who, humanly speaking, has lost absolutely everything. This guy has lost his reputation. This guy has no doubt lost his job. This guy, he he lost the ability to go to the temple and worship. Uh, He lost the ability to go see his family. This is a guy who's lost everything. Somebody that was a leper couldn't get near anybody else. This guy had to walk around his entire life with his mouth, with his hand over his mouth. Anytime he got within 50 paces of another person, he had to yell out, unclean, unclean. What a horrible life. What a miserable, miserable life. And with all the pain and with all the heartache and all this guy's problems and all all the stuff he's got going on, all the physical problems that this guy had, probably the worst aspect of his disease was the loneliness. I'm here to tell you this morning that leprosy was a lonely, lonely disease. The rabbis would call the lepers the living among the dead because they'd say they were dead, they just didn't know it yet. When you were a leper, you couldn't go inside of a house. When you were a leper, you couldn't stand under a shade tree. Because if a leper stood under a tree, and then you a few moments later wouldn't stood under that tree, you would get what they had. You would catch leprosy. These lepers were barred from going into Jerusalem. Yea, they could not go into any walled city. Not at all. So that meant if you were a leper, you could have no contact with anybody that wasn't a leper. You were regulated to the wilderness. You were out in the wilderness by yourself, so lonely. It was such a horrible life. It was such a miserable life. If a leper ever tried to get within 50 paces of another person, those healthy people would pick up stones, and they'd throw the stones at the feet of the leper, saying, Stay back, unclean! Stay back, unclean! What a lonely, lonely life. There's no way you and I could ever imagine the loneliness. There's no way you and I could ever imagine the destitution. You couldn't have a family. You couldn't have fellowship with anybody. And the Bible just doesn't say that he was a leper. The Bible says he was full of leprosy. You know, so this is a desperate man. This is a helpless man. This is seemingly a hopeless man. What does the Bible say he does in verse 12? He says, Who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him. That was his only hope. His only hope was Jesus Christ. So the Bible tells us number one, that he sees Jesus, and number two, that he fell on his face. When you fall on your face, that is a sign of worship. We also see in this scripture that he called him Lord. In the New Testament, when you call somebody Lord, it can mean a couple of different things. One of the things that it can mean is you're saying, okay, we have an employee-employer relationship. Sometimes in the New Testament, when you call someone Lord, you can say, you are my boss. There are other times in the New Testament when you call someone Lord, what you're saying is, you are my God, you are my king, you are the Lord of my life. You can always tell how the name Lord is being used by the context in the verse in which it is used in. And we see that this man has fallen on his face in a sign of worship. And bless God, I'm here to tell you today, when a Christian falls on their face in front of Jesus Christ, they are saying, Jesus, you are my God. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. So this man, he's at the feet of Jesus and he begins to beg This man is at the feet of Jesus and he begins to plead. He's saying, I have nowhere else to go. I have nowhere else I can turn. But I put forth to you this morning with all this guy's problems, with everything this guy had going against him, if he knew that Jesus was the only answer, he's a lot better off than healthy men and women walking around alive today. When you come to the place where you can say, it is no longer I that liveth but Him. When you come to the place where you say, Jesus isn't an answer. He is the only answer. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. For all the guy's battles and all the guy's problems and and, and all the guy's physical conditions and all of his heartaches, at least he knew that Jesus was the only hope he had. He's a lot better off than some man and woman in southeast Louisiana today who says, I don't have time for God. I don't have time for Jesus. Oh, you may, have, you may be physically strong and you may have all the nice toys, but this guy is saying that Jesus is the only hope. He's a lot better off than some of those men and women today. Yes, his physical condition is heartbreaking. His physical condition is heartbreaking, but at least he knows that Jesus is all that I need. So he sees Jesus, he falls on his face, and he besought him. Let's see what he did next. Verse 12, he says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now I want you to see this morning that, of course, he, once again, he's on his face. So on his face, he's saying, Jesus, you are my God. Jesus, you are my king. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. But I love the way he puts it here. I love the way he puts it here. He says, he said, Lord, if thou wilt, canst, uh, thou canst make me clean. Now, notice he doesn't say, Lord, can you make me clean? That's not the question here. The question here isn't, can the creator of the universe... Uh, make him whole again. That wasn't what he was asking. He already knew the answer to that. He already knew that Jesus is able. Okay? He is able. So we see here that this is a man of faith. This man of faith is not asking, Jesus, can you give sight to the blind? Can you give speech to the mute? Can you give hearing to the deaf? Can you give leg to the lame? Can you, give a, 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 can you save a sinner from hell? That's not what he's asking. He already knows the answer to those questions. He already says, I know what Jesus can do. What I'm asking is, will he do it? And what did Jesus do? Verse number 13, And he put forth his hand. And touched him. Now, you know, I want you to notice the phrase put forth his hand. If you can imagine the scene this morning, people are gathered around Jesus, and this man is walking up. Maybe as he walks up, people grab stones and throw the stones at his feet, but this leper keeps it a- coming. The closer he gets, we see that crowd start to part like the Red Sea and standing in the middle, not moving, not going anywhere, is Jesus Christ. This guy comes up to Jesus. He falls on his, he falls on his face at the feet of Jesus and he says, I know you can heal me, Jesus. I know you can make me whole, but Lord, will you? What does the Bible say? And Jesus puts forth his hand. I want you to see that Jesus took the initiative here. Jesus took the initiative. You know, this leper, he didn't do like the other person did who just came up to Jesus and grabbed his feet. He didn't do like the other person did that came up and grabbed the hem of his garment. He was more respectful than that. Now, I'll tell you this, he came a little closer than he should have come, but he wasn't about to touch Jesus because he didn't want to make Jesus unclean. But what does the Bible say that he does? It says Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him. Now, wait a second. Hold, on just the, hold the phone just a minute. You know, there are times in the Bible where Jesus does heal with his hands. Man, Jesus can spit in the dirt and make the mud with the spittle and put it on the blind man's eyes. And there are times in the word of God where Jesus heals with his hands. But, you know, there are other times in the word of God where Jesus heals with the word of his tongue. He resurrected a man from the dead and didn't touch anybody. So Jesus has the ability not only to heal with his hands, but to heal with the word of his tongue. And you would think if when dealing with the leper that he would use the word of his tongue. I mean, you'd think that, that Jesus would do that because let me tell you something, as soon as you touch a leper, you're opening yourself up to a whole other set of problems. Man, imagine the religious establishment standing there and the religious establishment looking at Jesus and saying, you know, if you touch Him, if you're, if you're allegedly the Messiah you're claiming to be, if you touch Him, you will be unclean. And as soon as you are unclean, you are no longer the Son of God. You know, I can't think of a faster way to get unclean than touching a le- than intentionally touching a leper. Why did He do it? He could have spoke the word. Hey, this is Jesus we're talking about. He could have thought the thought. He could have spoke the word. Why does the Bible say he stretched out his hand and he touched him? You know, I can imagine the scene as soon as Jesus touched this leper, that there were a lot of people that didn't stick around for the rest of the message. Oh, they were off and they were off to Facebook and they were off to Twitter and they were off to Instagram and they were off to the gossip columns and they were telling the priests and they were telling the religious establishment, they were saying, hey, hey, this guy can't be the son of God. This guy can't be the Messiah. He touched a leper. He's now unclean. You know, what's funny. Jesus never really cared what the, what the religious establishment thought. Now I wonder if when we get to heaven, we can find this guy. I wonder if when we get to heaven, we can find this guy and say, hey, you should be me, sir, I got to ask you a question. Before Jesus touched you, how long had it been since you'd been touched by another person? Think about it this morning. This guy, he couldn't kiss his wife. He couldn't play with his children. He couldn't shake someone's hand. Maybe that guy would look back at us and say, Oh, oh, it had been months. Maybe he could say, Oh, it had been it had been years. Maybe he would say, Oh, it had been decades since anybody touched me. So why did Jesus do it? Why did Jesus touch him? When he could have said the word, why did he touch him? Well, you know what? The Bible actually tells us why. You know, over in Mark chapter 1, this story is repeated. And over in Mark chapter 1 and verse number 41, the Bible actually tells us why Jesus touched him. Let me read that verse for you. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1 and verse number 41, And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and he touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Why did Jesus touch him? Why did Jesus touch him? It's because he loved him. He loved a man that nobody else could love. He loved a man that nobody else would love. Jesus stretched out his hand, and because he was moved with compassion, Jesus touched him. Yet if you look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, you can take the story of this leper and you can multiply it 100,000 times. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth, that means he showed. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus was moved with compassion. And because he was moved with compassion, he did something that nobody else would do. Now you take that and you multiply that by a hundred million. And it's not just a leper 2,000 years ago. It's men and ladies sitting in Chesbro Baptist Church in Kitwood, Louisiana today. It's not just a leper way back then. Now it's me and you today. And the Bible says that the love of God is so great. And the Bible says that the love of God is so tremendous. And Jesus loves you, and Jesus loves me, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Three chapters before Romans 5 and Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 actually tells us that we're sinners. The book of Romans tells us that we are sinners from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. There is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short. Of the glory of God. That's so amazing. It's so amazing that people in here like me. It's so amazing that people in here like you. Man, we are so sinful. We are so sinful. And God not only sees those sins. He knows those sins. Even the dark sins. Even the hidden ones. Even the sins we've hidden from mom and dad even the sins we've hidden from husband and wife. I'm talking about those deep, dark, secret sins. Nobody else knows about them, but God does. And not only does He know about all that, forget about healing a leper, He died on the cross for those sins. What love of God. What love of God. You know what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16? Now we all know John chapter three sixteen. We all know that one. We can quote that one. But you know, if you mess up and you accidentally turn to 1 John 3, 16, well, that one works too. Hereby perceive we the love of God that he laid down his life for us. Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 10, herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as a propitiation for our sins. Hebrews 4, 14, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as are we, yet without sin. I'm telling you, I'm telling you today, he knows us. But even though he knows us, he still loves us. You know, Jesus never really cared what the uh, religious establishment thought said. Jesus really didn't care what the law said. Jesus really didn't care what human opinion said. But he was so full of compassion that he touched a man that nobody else would touch. He cared for a man that nobody else would care for. He, loved for. he loved a man that nobody else would love. Jesus loved this leper. And you multiply that by a hundred million, and the Bible says, and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hey, God didn't just love the world. He so loved the world. You know, we think about the, the, the sacrifice that Jesus made, and oh, did he make a big sacrifice? A lot of times we don't think about the, the talk about the sacrifice that God the Father made. That verse doesn't say that he gave another son. It says he gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world that he gave. And he reached out his hand because he loved him. He touched him. Now I know there are many folks in here today. You can join me in saying that he's my Savior. There was a time in your life when you walked an aisle and you came down to an altar and you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe it was a time when you were sitting in your living room and somebody took a Bible and somebody took a Bible track and showed you how to be saved. And you can say, Brother Brett, he is my Savior today. But you know what? Those of us who were saved, sometimes we can get so busy that we can grow cold to the fact that these aren't just people all around us. They're more than people. We can grow cold to the fact that these are souls. These are souls that will either spend an eternity in heaven or souls that will spend an eternity in hell. We can grow cold to that fact. So you know what? If God could just break our hearts, if God could just break our hearts and then we could be moved with compassion like he was. Maybe today if you're saved, you need to come to God and you need to say, God, please lay, please lay someone's soul on my heart. Lord, please lay someone's soul on my heart that's lost so I can pray for them and so I can pray for their salvation and so I can work toward leading that person to the Lord. Please, Lord, lay someone on my heart. If you're in here today and you've never been saved, if you're in here today and you've never believed on Jesus, this story tells it all. This story tells it all. He not only stretched out his hand to touch a leper, but he died on a cross for me and for you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What a Savior. Is it your Savior this morning? Years ago, on the streets of Chicago... There was a man who walked the streets of Chicago. Everybody called him Old Mac. Old Mac would walk the streets of Chicago, and Old Mac was a drunk. Old Mac was actually an entertainer. He had a nightclub act, and every night he'd be at the nightclub doing his set. After his set was over, he'd just be so plastered drunk, so just so inebriated that he couldn't even make it home. And most every night, Old Mac would end up at the Pacific Garden Mission there in Chicago. At the Pacific Garden Mission, he'd walk through the front door and everybody knew who Old Mac was. He had a reputation. Old Mac had a reputation for Satan, sin, and suds. Old Mac would come in the Pacific Garden Mission and he'd sit on the back pew and he'd just be so passed out, slobbering drunk that he would would sleep through the service. You see, at the Pacific Garden Mission, in order to get a meal and in order to get a bed, you had to sit through a preaching service. So he'd sit on the back pew and every night he'd just sleep and just be passed out drunk on the back pew. There was a lady there at that mission. Everybody called her Ma Taylor. Ma Taylor, she... She organized a lot of the things that, for the guys at the mission, and her and a couple they had a couple services a day, and her and another lady would, would help would take, take turns playing the piano. Oh Ma Taylor, Ma Taylor, she knew Old Mac. Every night, old Mac would come in and be passed out on the back queue. And every, so she got it in her heart that she's going to pray for Old Mac. And night after night she would pray, and night after night she would pray, and night after night old Mac would come in and be asleep on the back queue, and he'd be so drunk and so passed out that he wouldn't hear the preaching. And she knew that if he didn't hear the preaching, he'd never change, so she kept on praying. Until one night, old Mac came in, and old Mac was a little more sober than he normally was. Old Mac actually stayed awake and listened to the preaching that night just so happened on that night a preacher got up and preached hell fire brimstone priest heaven sweet and hell hot the end of that service old matt got up out of his pew and he walked down the aisle he came to the altar knelt down he was just crying and weeping like a baby ma taylor was playing the piano she motioned to the other lady to Come take her spot. And Ma Taylor got off the piano and she went down to old Mac and she said, Oh, she said, Mac, have you come to be saved tonight? And old Mac just started shaking his head. He said, Ma, you just don't understand. Ma, you don't know all the bad things I've done. Ma, you don't know all the wicked things I've done. You don't know all the evil I've done, Ma. You just don't know. God would never want me. God would never save me. God would never forgive me. Oh, Ma Taylor, she just kept giving him verse after verse, all the verses she could think of, and he just kept shaking his head, saying, you just don't understand. Ma, you just don't know. You don't know all the evil I've done. You don't know all the wickedness I've done. God would never want me. God would never forgive me. God would never save me. And then Ma Taylor, she remembered a pamphlet that she read earlier in the day, and she remembered the title of that pamphlet. She stopped everything, and she looked at old Mac, and she said, Mac, Calvary. Calvary covers it all. Max stopped and he looked up at her and he said, what did you say? She said, Calvary was the place that Jesus died. Calvary covers it all. She said, Max, some of us are 50 pence sinners and some of us are 500 pence sinners. But the thing about it is that 50 pence sinners and 500 pence sinners end up in the same hell. And she said, Calvary covers it all. Old Mac got saved that night in the Pacific Garden Mission. When, Mac, when old Mac got saved, his life began to change. Well, of course it did. When you get saved, you become a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Old Mac, he had a real name. His name was Walter McDonald. Walter McDonald, he began to give his testimony before you knew it all, uh, uh, Walter McDonald became a preacher. And for the rest of his life, Walter McDonald traveled America preaching the gospel and giving his testimony. God used him greatly. Ma Taylor, Ma Taylor, she actually, uh, she actually wrote a song. She wrote a song that decades later, Christians still sing today. And the words to the song that Ma Taylor wrote go like this. Far dearer than all the world can impart was the message that came to my heart. How that Jesus alone for my sin did atone, and Calvary covers it all. The stripes that he bore and the thorns that he wore told his mercy and love evermore. And my heart bowed in shame as I called on his name, and Calvary... Covers it all. How matchless the grace when I looked in the face of this Jesus, my crucified Lord. My redemption complete I then found at his feet, for Calvary covered it all. How blessed the thought that my soul by him bought shall be his in the glory on high, where with gladness and song I'll be one of the throng, for Calvary covered it all. Calvary covers it all. My past with its sin and shame. My guilt and despair. Jesus took on him there. And Calvary covers it all. Old Mac learned it in Chicago many years ago. A leper learned it 2,000 years ago. Me and you, we can know it today. Calvary covers it all. And for one stunning, amazing moment in time, he stretched forth his hand and he touched him.